Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you for that. Thank you, uh, Brother Jason. Thank you, worship team. What a great job leading us in worship. And uh, man, that is exciting to be able to sing those praises to uh, the Lord and to be able to lift our voices together uh, full of um, <clears throat> things that we need to throw. <laughs> it's clear out of our throats, and uh, yet we still did a good job. I know that the the, that bug going around, whether it be one of the many Omatrons, Omicrons, whatever it is, or uh, Transformers, or whatever it is that it is, or uh, uh, COVID, whatever it is. But uh, uh, man, I am glad that you made it here this morning. I'm glad that you're able to be get to gather together with us. And uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. And um, uh, it's a great, great thing to be able to worship the one true God this morning and to lift our voices together. And I'm so thankful that you're either here in person or tuning into the live stream. We're glad that you're a part of this. Go with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 is where we'll be this morning. And uh, this is <clears throat> my second message this morning as I preached in the Spanish church as well. And uh, <laughs> you'll see that I am not 100% healthy. But as the saying goes, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man, one man is king. And so uh, um, the other pastors are really sick. And so I'm just kind of sick. And so um, I was able to be here this morning. No, it is my privilege to be behind this pulpit. And uh, my desire is to just take a few moments here together uh, to learn some truths together, uh, learn from God's Word some principles that will guide us and lead us, and hopefully be of an encouragement to you as, uh, as we want to grow together. That is our desire. And uh, every time that we have the opportunity to come and to be able to be in the house of the Lord, uh, it is a great privilege that God has given us a great opportunity to do that. And so I uh, thank you for that, but I also know that we just want to take the time that God has given us, okay? So John chapter 20, <clears throat> as uh, Brother Jason said, pray for Pastor Jeremy, and, uh, and, uh, and as he recovers, and our, our uh, Pastor Emeritus as well, I know Dad's at home resting, and Mom as well, not, do, not feeling well themselves, but um, we're glad that, that we're able to be here, and, uh, and that you were able to be here together as we look to grow. And uh, look, it, it, you know, every time we come to church, um, we think about in, in the last two years, what a privilege that is, you know, that, it, that we're able to be here, uh, able to fellowship, commune, um, praise God for coffee this morning, right? All the, all the northerners are like, this is normal, this is great for all of us down here from the valley. This is as bad and as brutal as winter gets, okay? And so uh, this is our blizzard right here. This is what, you're living it right here. This is bad. Um, but no, we're glad that you're here and that we're able to be get together. In John chapter 20, I want to just share a few thoughts this morning uh, that are not my thoughts. It's God's word and it's God's truth. And we want it to lead us and guide us um, towards some truths that I believe um, come directly out of God's word, but then are something that can be an encouragement to us and can teach us and train us. And um, God's word is exactly for that purpose. It's to edify. It's, to, it's um, brought so that we can be drawn closer to God through his word, through his truth. And all that was left, all, all of uh, God's word was inspired by God's spirit, and it's left to edify and to build up his church. And, and this morning we are here to do exactly that. In the context of John chapter 20, um, <clears throat> we are at the, you know, we're in the Gospels, and so all the Gospels are about the, about the life of Christ and, and uh, uh, his earthly um, uh, time here on earth and also his earthly ministry. And uh, each one of them, uh, many uh, correlating stories um, from different angles, uh, some unique in certain parts of the Gospels, but all um, pointing towards uh, who Jesus was and what he did on this earth and the reason he came 
and ultimately uh, what it is that we can uh, uh, um, have through him and through a relationship with him. And so John is no different. John, being one of the Gospels, presents us with the life of Christ, presents us um, in a more particular way uh, as John was written to the world at large. And it was written with the gospel message, uh, at, uh, to, uh, gospel uh, with a <clears throat> world audience and with the gospel message geared towards a world audience. And that's the backdrop of John. And then we come to John chapter 20, and we're at the tail end of Jesus' three and a half years. All the miracles, all the amazing things, the calling of the disciples, and the, and the being able to, to, to do and to unravel his earthly ministry, his miracles, and the proving of, uh, of who he was and who he said he was, and then the establishing of what was going to be the conduit, which is the church, and he was um, sending out those disciples to be able to take the gospel and go forward. And so um, all of that is kind of in, uh, in, in, in the mix of what's going on. Uh, but specifically, John 20 is on the tail end of a few days past uh, the, uh, the, the moment in which we come to Golgotha. You come to uh, the cross, and you come to that moment in which the Savior um, and these disciples, their Messiah, their master, who they thought was going to revolutionize the Roman control and the Jewish misguided religious leaders and was going to bring about the coming kingdom. And they, in their minds, understood it to be uh, this revolution that was going to take place of which they were going to be at the forefront uh, commanders of seeing that revolution uh, take place in front of them. Well, uh, just a few days before, that had all come crashing down on, a, on an afternoon uh, when their Messiah was crucified to a cross. And, and then they had gone and um, they knew that his body had been laid to rest in this tomb. And uh, this tomb um, meant it, it was, that was it. it, was, it was, that was the end. That was, that was when, when you went behind that rock. There was no coming out. That was it. That was the final. It's over. Um, you know, uh, at that point, uh, anybody that went behind that, that uh, tomb, that rock, wasn't coming out. That, that was, they knew it because for thousands of years that people had been buried, they stayed buried. That was how it was. But here it was, uh, and we see what we know to be uh, the resurrection, the resurrection. And, and I look at this John chapter 20, and I came at it from an angle of asking three questions. Three questions that I feel demand an answer, and then they demand us to take, um, <clears throat> it's an answer, it's a question, but it's also a direction. So it's, a, it's, a, it's questions with directions, and that's kind of what, what I want us to look at. Uh, the three questions are this, if you want to write them down, I didn't have notes like uh, Pastor Jeremy, so, uh, but if you want to write them down, it's the basic three, three questions, and I made them to rhyme in English, and it's like this, it's why are we here, why do we cheer, and why do we draw near, all right? Why are we here? Why do we cheer? And why do we draw near? And so those three questions are what I want to look at in John chapter 20 in the few moments we have together. And I believe that they will guide us to some truths that the Spirit will guide us to. And then they'll impulse and call us to act upon each one of those three questions. And so I'm going to read the first few verses. We'll ask for God's help. And then we'll jump into what we see Scripture guides us towards. The first day of the week, John chapter 20, verse number 1 says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, 
and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths lying. Yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen cloths lie. And the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen cloths but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. And for as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own homes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you for the truth of what we're about to examine and read. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just allow it to be transformational to us as every time it should be. And Lord, may it be a difference maker in our hearts and in our lives, and may it impulse us on this Sunday morning to be able to take our minds to learn and to grow and to take our hearts and be captured by this truth. And Lord, may we understand why we're here. And Lord, may we understand why we cheer, why we celebrate, and why we draw near. Father, we have such great news. And Lord, there are some life-changing realities that in this passage we see and Father, may we be transformed in the moments that we watch and listen and learn from this truth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. First day of the week, verse number one says of John chapter 20, the first day of the week. You see, we're here this morning because it's the first day of the week. You see, Sunday, um, despite, I, I noticed here some uh, recently, like some Apple updates now, it starts the week on Monday. Uh, I've even seen some calendars now start the week on Monday. No, first day of the week is Sunday. And there's a reason for that being important because on the first day of the week, we come and we gather because on a first day of the week like today, there was a Savior that rose again. And on the first day of the week like it was today, like, like it is today, um, there was an empty sepulcher. You see, that first day of the week, Mary Magdalene says that when it was still dark, she came and she saw that the stone was taken away and that the sepulcher was there, but that Jesus was not. And dear friend, this morning, you and I are here because of that great reality. Amen? Because of the great reality that there is an empty sepulcher, because there is an empty tomb, and on the first day of the week, that reality came to exist on that very first morning in which that Savior was no longer buried there. And you and I, every single Sunday that we show up and that we show up to any place that God's house exists on this face of this earth, and we park and we go in, we are proclaiming to the world that that day is not like any other day. That is the first day of the week in which we absolutely are sure that there is an empty tomb somewhere. And we are sure that there is not only an empty tomb. You see, uh, John and, and Peter, who are the two disciples here, says in verse number five, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying, yet he went not in. And then cometh Simon Peter, verse number six, following him, and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen cloths lie there. Oh, he knew that it was there. He knew that that was where the body had been laid. He knew that that was where the Messiah was supposed to be. Um, they thought that that was where the story had ended, was in that tomb. But on that first day of the week, what a difference there was. Because that tomb was empty and that rock was rolled away. 
See, that's why we're here this morning. We're here because there's an empty tomb. Makes a difference for you and I. Makes a difference. It divided history. Uh, you see, uh, we understand that Jesus was not just a man, but that he was truly sent of God. And though his disciples had heard him teach for three and a half years, that reality, uh, three days before, they thought that reality had been conf confused. They thought maybe he had even been confused. They thought maybe, well, I guess that wasn't exactly how it was. But see, on that first day of the week, uh, there was an empty tomb, and that was the solidifying, the reality of that Jesus was who he said he was that first day of the week. That's why we're here. On the first day of the week, we celebrate or we come and we understand that there is an empty tomb. We understand that there was a rock that was removed, a stone that was taken away. Oh, it says there in verse number one, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. I'm not going to go into it, but, you know, many, many Bible scholars have spent much time talking about how um, the way um, uh, that stone would have been fashioned so that when the body was laid to rest and what was necessary to be able, that obstruction to move that other stone that would roll on top of that sepulcher, it was a one-way trip for that rock. It wasn't something that uh, later on somebody could come and just remove out of the way. It was an impossibility for uh, anything to happen other than for that stone to remain in place. And it would be fashioned in such a way that once it was in place, it wasn't moving. But Mary, that morning, Mary Magdalene realized that the stone had been moved away. We are here today because there's an empty tomb. We are here today because the same power, the same strength that took to move that uh, stone back out from in front of that tomb is the power of Jesus Christ that is the power enacted in our lives. And we're here today because that power exists, because that power is real. And because you and I, as being redeemed followers of Jesus Christ, having been forgiven by the power of Jesus on our lives, we here today, we are here because of that power. That power that was enough to speak and remove uh, that stone out of the way as Jesus resurrected on that bright morning. I can tell that this morning, I can tell you that this morning we are here because there's an empty tomb and because there was a stone that got rolled away. And that power saved you, and it saved me. And every single Sunday, whether we gather with two, or whether we gather with 50, or whether we gather with 500 or 5,000, we are here this morning because we proclaim that there is an empty tomb. We proclaim that there is a power that removed that stone, and it is the power that has, enacted on, has been enacted in our lives. We are here this morning because verse number 9 tells us, Verse number eight, then they went in, uh, then went, went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. What did he believe? Well, he believed that Jesus was risen. He believed that Jesus did what he said he was going to do, which was going to overcome sin and death. And he had seen him be, uh, be uh, crucified three days before. He knew that that spear had pierced his side. He had seen him hang on that cross and breathe out the last of, of his breath as a human being and had seen him die. And he knew that the only way that that body could not be there, the only way that that uh, tomb could be empty, the 
only way that that stone could be removed is if that man was who he said he was, which was Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Savior. When it says there, he saw and believed, dear friend, that is why we are here today. We are here because we are represented there among them, among those that saw and believed. I don't know how it was with you. I don't know what your testimony is, but I can tell you mine. I can remember going back as a 12-year-old boy and understanding my need to be forgiven of my wickedness and my sin and realizing that God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. And though my dad was a pastor and though my parents were saved, I knew that I needed to recognize my sinfulness and I had to go before uh, uh, that God and ask him to forgive me of my sins and ask him to become my Lord and Savior. Oh, I know my testimony. It was believing on that Savior, believing that he died for me. Do you remember your testimony? Do you remember what it was the moment that you believed, you saw and believed? Oh, the person that was in the very beginning of this story as well had a wonderful testimony. That why she was there. When you think of Mary Magdalene, you, you go back and you think about that woman possessed by seven demons. Somebody who had been tortured for much of her life, despite her being probably a wealthy person, Bible scholars say, despite being a very beautiful lady, some Bible scholars would say, uh, the fact was that she had lived a tormented life. And yet, nonetheless, she had come to an encounter with Jesus Christ early in his ministry, and he had freed her of those demons. He had brought about liberation and liberty in her life and transformation in her life. And she was there because she knew on that day she she was there that morning. What a wonderful morning to see the reality of her faith made sight. Oh, dear friend, this morning, why are we here? We're here because there's an empty tomb. We're here because of a stone was removed. We're here because he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, and we can believe in him. We can see and believe. That's why we're here. Not only do we see why we're here, but we see why we cheer. We see why we're cheer. You see, let's go on reading verse. This passage is so, so great. It says, verse number 11, it says, But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Oh, there was a reason to celebrate. Though at this moment she didn't realize it, but even in her phrase, even in her wording, there was something to celebrate. Oh, you see there when she says, They have taken away my Lord. There was something to celebrate because it was true that it was her Lord. You see, that Mary Magdalene full of seven, seven demons, that Mary Magdalene that had tried to be liberated through many different ways, but the moment Jesus stepped on the scene, he made all the difference in her life. He became her personal Savior. There was a reason to celebrate. She had been liberated. She had been freed. She had been cleaned. Oh, dear friend, you and I have a reason to celebrate today. Why are we here? Because it's the first day of the week. It's the day in which Jesus rose. It's the day in which that empty tomb was made effect. Oh, why do we celebrate? Oh, because he is our Lord. Where have they taken my Lord? I know not where they have laid him. Verse 14 says, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, If thou have borne him hence, 
Tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Oh, dear friend, in that moment, in that moment, that moment she spoke her name, there was reason to cheer. He knew who she was. Dear friend, you and I are here this morning. The reason we're here is because it's the first day of the week and there's an empty tomb. The reason that we're here today is because there's a rock that was rolled away. There was a stone and the power that moved that stone is the power that has to move, the, the, that, that it has the power to make a difference in your life and in my life. That's why we're here. But we have a reason to cheer that we have a personal savior. He has a relationship with you and with me and he knows us by name. What a wonderful thing. I know in that show, The Chosen, they highlight a lot and they focus a lot when Jesus would speak a name. If you haven't seen that series, I can't recommend it high enough. High enough. It's, it's a great series, The Chosen. But it's wonderful when, when Jesus speaks that name. And I think about that here in this occasion because it seems to, it seems to be... Hello? Um, that's my watch. Sorry. Um, it seems to be something special about when Jesus speaks the name that Mary responds in a very, why? Uh, it seems to be that in a very particular way, uh, Mary responds when her name is spoken by the Savior. It seems to be that all of a sudden the fog of the moment and the fog of what's taking place uh, gets cleared up. And, and here on this first day of the week that there's a reason to cheer. There's a reason because you see in that moment the reality of all that was being taught before in those three and a half years. The reality of what, what seemed to be the grand finale on that cross three days before had totally been eclipsed by that resurrection morning when lo and behold there was an empty tomb when lo and behold there was a stone rolled away when lo and behold that personal savior spoke her name oh what a difference there was there was a reason now to cheer there was a reason to celebrate Dear friend, when you come to church, may that be something in us that every single Sunday we come with a reason to cheer because he knows our name. He knows who we are. He knows exactly what's going on in our life. And man, it doesn't matter whether you've been saved a few days, a few years, a few decades. May that never grow old on us, the fact that our Savior knows our name. He knows all there is about us. And may we celebrate May we celebrate every time we have a chance to come through those doors and come into his presence. We celebrate that he knows us. We celebrate that he is ours. Celebrate what he brings. What does he bring? Well, verse number 21 says this. It says, then said Jesus to them again. This was Jesus on a separate occasion when he appears to the disciples. Jesus in verse 21 of John 20 says, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Oh, we celebrate the fact that he is risen, that he's our personal Savior. We celebrate the fact that he knows our name. We celebrate the fact that he has brought peace. Peace be unto you, Jesus said to the disciples. Peace be unto you, Jesus said to Mary. Oh, peace, peace is what he brings. And we have the same Father. You know what he says there? He says, as, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Oh, we are here to celebrate the fact that we have the good news of the gospel. 
We celebrate that on a day like today, there's an empty tomb. We celebrate that the power that removed the stone is the power enacted on us. We celebrate the fact that we have a God that knows us by name, that he knows our strength, our weakness. He knows our condition. He knows our situation. We celebrate the fact that he has brought peace. Oh, in a turbulent world, we need that peace, don't we, guys? In a turbulent world, in a world we live in that seems that there's so much uncertainty, and man, what you think you know this moment, you don't know the next. And man, as soon as we think we got this figured out, okay, this is what we got to do. Man, it seems like there's another twist, another turn. And, and it's been, it's life. It's what happens. But praise be to God that through Jesus Christ, we can have peace. Peace that doesn't depend on circumstance or doesn't depend on a vaccine or a cure. It depends on the fact that he is risen and that he is seated on the throne. And that is still true today, and so we can celebrate. We can celebrate who he is. We can celebrate that he is our personal Savior. We can celebrate that he has brought peace and that we are his. We belong to the Father. The reason that he can tell us that he sends us the way the Father sent him is because he has been able to equip us and save us. Dear friend, if you're here today and you're a child of God, then you've been equipped to be able to share that peace. That's why he gave us the peace first, and then he sent us out with that peace. You know, dear friend, you may have a family member, maybe a co-worker, and this morning I want us to know that, you know what, more than ever, it is a time to celebrate who Jesus is in front of our co-workers. Why? Because we know more than ever how real it is that they might be there on Monday and not on Friday. They might have been there this week and not next week. So now is the time to share the good news of the gospel. Now is the time to celebrate who Jesus is and what Jesus brings in our life. That peace, that transformation, that change, that name that he can call us by. Oh, when Jesus said Mary, she knew in that moment that was a different name. That was a different way in which the person saying that name knew who she was. It changed everything. In that instant, she knew it was Jesus. In that instant, she knew it was the master. Oh, she knew that meant the reality of the resurrection was proven. Dear friend, this morning, why are we here? We're here because it's the first day of the week and there's an empty tomb. We're here to celebrate the fact that there is a power that moved that stone. We're here to celebrate the fact that that power was enacted in my life in a personal way. And there is a personal Savior who on a given day called me by name. And he has saved me. And he has transformed me. And he's given me peace and purpose. Dear friend, that's why we cheer. That's why we cheer. Why are we here? Why do we cheer? Why do we draw near? Well, there's some real good reasons why we draw near. Verse number 19 says, And then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus. Came Jesus. Two words that are so important in there. See, the disciples, because of fear, maybe Peter being at the forefront of that fear, it few nights before, it had only been a 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl that had been enough to scare him to deny Christ. Fear was a reality. We perhaps wrestle with our own fear in today's day, but their fear was palpable because the Jews were killing Jesus' followers. They were going after him. They were persecuting him. So it was quite a danger. But nonetheless, them being hidden in that fear, 
Isn't it wonderful to know those next two words? Came Jesus. Came Jesus. Why do we draw near? We draw near because first he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He drew near first. You see, Jesus, uh, at the, uh, uh, before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us that he was sent of the Father for the purpose of rescuing that which was lost. The plan of redemption was enacted, and we see it visible in this moment, in this scene, but it was in the heart of God from before uh, the foundation of the world. He knew that when sin had destroyed and separated God uh, of, from its creation, he knew that there was going to need to be a redemption. He knew that there was going to need to be a payment for that sin in order for there to be a reconciliation. And what a wonderful re reality and reason to draw near is because he came first to seek and to save that which was lost. He came first. Verse 19 tells us that then they were assembled behind closed doors that came Jesus and stood in the midst. He came and stayed. Dear friend, I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. I know the ebb and flow of the Christian life is such that there may be lulls. There are times where we're just not feeling it. There's times where we're just not where we need to be. But how wonderful it is to know that we have a Savior that, came, that comes and stays. He comes. He came into that room and he stayed. Verse 19 says, Jesus came and stood in the midst. That's why we draw near. That's why we can draw near. Because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he extends his hand out towards us. And he invites us to be able to walk with him. To walk with him. He came to save. That's why we draw near. He came first. He came seeking first. That's why we draw near. He came knowing our situation. Knowing our frailness our faults, our shortcomings. You see, in this next passage, we see in verse number 25, it says, but Thomas, one of the 12, verse 24, excuse me, of John 20, it says, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side I will not believe and after eight days again his disciples were that were within and Thomas with them then here we go again those two words came Jesus the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said peace be unto you then said he then saith he Jesus to Thomas reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. See, some people may say Jesus got on, to Je got on to Thomas, but I don't see that. I see a loving and patient Jesus who came and understood Thomas's shortcoming, his lack of faith, and said, yeah, you do have a lack of faith, but I'll go beyond your shortcoming. I'll go beyond your shortcoming. Dear Christian, this morning, can I tell you that that is why we should draw near? Because I don't care what your life is like right now. I don't care what your shortcoming is. I don't care where you failed Jesus up to this point. But we have a Jesus who goes beyond that and still stands in the midst and still says, I'll show you more. I'll show you more. Patiently, lovingly, 
caringly wants to take us into a deeper relationship with him. Did Thomas know who Jesus was? He sure was. He called him to be one of his disciples, and he was. Did Thomas not hear the report of of Peter and John who had gone to the sepulcher? Did he not hear what Mary Magdalene had to say about the gardener who who had turned out to be Jesus? Sure he had, but he still had his his reservations. He still had his doubts. And Jesus, instead of coming and saying, Ah, you see, you worthless, unbelieving person. You know what? Go. I'm done with you. He didn't. He came once. Then it's the Bible says eight days later. He came again and stood in the midst of them again and once again reached out to the least of them, the one with the greatest challenge, the one with the greatest obstacles, and even overcame his obstacles. You say, Brother John, you don't know my situation, my marriage. It's because you don't know my kids. You don't know my family situation. You don't know my personal struggles right now. Can I tell you, Jesus does, and he goes beyond me, and he's willing to do more. And he's willing to reach beyond. You see, the rest of the New Testament unravels this thing called grace. And what a wonderful reality in which every single Sunday we come and we celebrate. Every single Sunday we come and we proclaim not that we are worthy, but that he is worthy. And we worship and we sing and we lift up his name because his grace was more than anything we could ever comprehend or understand. And he is why we are here. He is why we cheer. He is why we draw near. Because he came and he did what we could not do. He went beyond. He knows us by name. He knows our personal lives. And he calls us. And he wants a relationship with us. He knows our frailty. He knows our shortcomings. And yet he is willing to go beyond. Dear friend, I trust that today you will leave here encouraged. You will live, leave here knowing, now I know. Now I'm, I'm convinced why I'm here. I'm convinced as to why we cheer, why there's a reason to celebrate, why we can lift our hands and worship and glorify his name. There's a reason to cheer. There's a reason I show up to work tomorrow as, a, as an ambassador given by Jesus, the opportunity to take the good news of, the, of, of who he is to the world around me. Maybe it's my neighbor, maybe it's my coworker, maybe it's a, a family member. Somebody needs to hear who, G, what, who Jesus is and what he did for me because, yes, I have partaken of that wonderful reality and it has made a difference in my life. But let's not be selfish with that. Let's share that and hear in verse number uh, verse number 21 he uh, he goes and and he gives us that that commission i believe even before matthew 28's commission we find this commission jesus said unto them peace be unto you as my father has sent me even so send i you we are left in this world the reason that in that moment jesus didn't say to his disciples all right gather up my father's going to call us up here we go is because they had a job to do it was to take the good news of the gospel to the world around them Their time came and went, and they passed on, and here we are. And here we are in this life, and we've been partakers of that good news, and we are left with that same instruction of verse 21. Now he has sent us to go out into the world and to share the good news. Let them know why we celebrate. Let them know why we're here. Let them know why we can draw near to a God who wants to know us personally. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for this truth, simple truth, Father, just simple truths that we find in your word. Father, I thank you that you tell us at the end of this chapter, these are written 
that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the believing ye might have life through his name. Father, we have been given life through the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you because no matter where we're at, maybe we're where Thomas was at on that Sunday night, in that room, full of believers, but he had his own personal struggles. And yet, Father, you came to meet his need. Father, maybe we're in a room full of believers here this morning, but maybe we have some obstacles, some challenges that we're facing. Lord, this morning, you have brought us here, and you have met with us here because you want to meet that need. Father, I pray for a Christian that's struggling this morning. You know the need in their life. I pray that you would meet it. Father, perhaps there's somebody at the reach of my voice that doesn't know what it is to be forgiven of their sins, that doesn't know what it is to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. They never, ever had that happen in their life. I pray, Father, that this would be an occasion in which they could believe upon you, be forgiven of their sin, and be able to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for a Christian who, Lord, you have impulsed them to share the good news of the gospel with somebody this week. I pray, Father, that you would open opportunities so that they could share the good news and so that they could share the reason that they cheer and the reason that they can draw near so that others could be drawn closer to you and come to a personal relationship with you. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Perhaps this morning you'd say, Pastor John, in my life, I know I'm a Christian. I know I believe in Jesus Christ, but maybe there's been some areas in my life that I've had some Thomas moments. Maybe not doubting. Maybe it is doubting. Maybe there's just been some moments in which uh, my Christian life hasn't been where it needs to be. And this week, and this morning, God has spoken to my life. And this week, I want to make some corrections. I want God to help me to change some things in my life. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you this morning. God has spoken to your life through the preaching of his word. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else that says that's me? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord for the hands that have been raised. God bless you. God bless you. I pray that this week we would do exactly that, that we would enact upon God's truth and upon his word that has been exposed to us today, and that we would be able to live that out. Father, we love you, and we want to, once again, ask you to just do the work in our lives and in our hearts that only you can do. Guide us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.